Hello and welcome to the next video in this Zodiac series. The full playlist is in the description below. Uh, I especially recommend watching the one on the Age of Aquarius in order to better understand this one. So today we're going to look at Pisces, which is represented by two fish. We'll be diving into the universal symbolism of this, how it relates to our spiritual awakening as a whole, uh, how it affects everyone during this time, and also uh, the significance of it during the previous age, before the age of Aquarius, and also uh, how it affects those born under this sign. Now, Pisces is a water element, which is to do with the subconsciousness and is ruled by the planet Neptune. And in the Gnostic teachings, this is related to, if we had to uh, relate Pisces to any of the spiritual faculties, it would be most related to clairvoyance and the Cyclops. The Cyclops being something that symbolizes when humanity was in a more pure state in ancient times, and when we were more accustomed to seeing with the inner eye the third eye. And in mythology, the Cyclops are the children of Neptune. So we'll be going into this. So really, anyone who develops their clairvoyant, intuitive eye is actually working with the forces of Neptune. Neptune as the planet in our solar system, but as above, so below. This is also part of our being. Now, of course, since humanity today is terribly asleep, unconscious, our third eye, our inner intuitive visionary faculties are completely atrophied or conditioned. Now, you may remember in my chakra series about how imagination is clairvoyance, but since we are asleep, since we have ego, then about 97% of our imagination is in darkness, fantasy dreams, nonsense, nonsensical worldly condition noise that keeps us asleep. Our imagination is trapped in the deep conditioning of our interior eyes of me, 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 my desires, my happiness, my sadness, my longings, my likes, my dislikes my opinions about the world, everything, etc, etc, etc. This is why it's said our third eye is closed and we have to open it. But actually, depending on the context of that explanation of the third eye being closed, we could also say that everyone's third eye is actually extremely active, but we just don't know it. We don't see it. We don't understand that the ego is taking control of it and his is at every moment of our life creating a very complex reality which is conditioned by ego. We must not understand that our potentiality as a human being of, of who we are is extremely powerful. We are powerful beings, but we are using all of that power unconsciously to keep us asleep in the most craziest dream, really. And so, this is the state we find ourselves in. Our spiritual faculties are totally controlled by the unconsciousness. And so, to awaken the inner eye towards legitimate illumination of universal vision, we must find and purify our consciousness and know thyself in order to remove the psychological elements, the dirty light 
that blocks the pure light of consciousness, only then can one begin to be receptive towards the great universal currents of cosmic intelligence. And then one begins to become, naturally, a more of a creative individual. For example, an inventor who invents things first imagines it. So before anything appears in the physical material world, it first exists in the internal, the interior world of consciousness. All inventions first exist in the internal worlds. Any great writer or creative individual knows that this is the process. This is how the creative force works. We don't necessarily create things ourselves through ego, but instead receive inspiration and perceive it through intuitive imagination. And this is why today, this is why the world is how it is. Because interiorly, if that's a word, uh, within us, internally, is our world of our ego. It is full of chaos, full of negativity that we do not perceive. And so what happens? We invent, we create a negative reality that simply just reflects our internal reality, our interior world of our own consciousness. And so here we are now having to be in a position where we have to really understand what it means, what it really is to spiritually awaken in a legitimate and genuine way. And so what we do is we start to eventually purify our consciousness. And through that, we begin to know and see all of divinity and really understand it. What really, the nature of reality beyond our senses. And we begin to even see the gods in a very visual way as well, in the astral worlds, but also in as clairvoyance, as the third eye, seeing and perceiving these things these things that exist as part of our being. So this is what we have to do, purify consciousness and also the inner vision, the inner subconscious waters no longer become just subjective consciousness, but is purified into objective subconsciousness. And this is something very deep to meditate on. So this is why it is said, homo noske te ipsum, which means man, Know thyself, and you will know the universe and its gods. So this is why to know oneself is fundamental, because we cannot know ourselves without looking within and without this urge, this urgency to awaken and really begin to purify internally. But it's a difficult process, right? It is our life's purpose, and therefore it's not something uh, easy. Right? And we are so conditioned by intellectualism. We all carry this uh, intellectual skepticism within us. And this is also why, quote-unquote, intellectuals, uh, people who are gripped by skeptical and cynical dualism, do not comprehend these deeper practical mysteries of esoteric studies. And many always laugh thinking that... The ancients of the past were just imagining or making up the gods, the many gods of the past. And they think this because they do not understand that the ancient people of knowledge were without ego. They did not have this atrophied consciousness, this atrophied pineal gland. 
and it was just pure. And thus their imagination was pure, their clairvoyance was pure. It was not subjective egoic imagination, but divine objective divinely guided imagination, we could say, which is clairvoyance in its liberated form. Now, if we look at the symbol of Pisces with the two fish, in its sort of lower form, it points towards the duality of existence in all aspects of life. Now, in a lot of spiritual teachings today, we see a lot of people saying things like to avoid duality, implying that it is something bad or something, but that's not the case. It's simply a part of life. And if you really want to transcend duality, you can't do it by avoiding it. You have to comprehend it and see the beauty in it, the harmony in it the real meaning and the purpose behind it. And also, this is the meaning behind White Tantra, to go through duality in order to master it, not avoid it or to become ignorant of it and not really understand it, right? Not gain any self-knowledge on it. And so, when it comes to Pisces, the highest symbol of duality represents our relationship with our being, our higher consciousness, so to speak. So it is the relationship or duality of us as a human individual with our divine inner being. And I'm pointing upwards, right? But really, this is our divine inner being within, our God within. So really right now, as sort of uh, quote-unquote fallen humans, we are identified with material physical reality and the spiritual path is about striving towards the reality of our inner being within the vast infinite inner worlds that we can discover and in order to do that we have to quote unquote uh, unplug from the matrix of the external conditioned consciousness in the material world and this feeling, this sense of being a human in this material world and uh, reaching towards this uh, inner divinity is something that also fluctuates and you can really start to discern that yes, this is a sort of duality that we are experiencing, us as this person, this persona, and this divine intelligence of our being. You know, uh, sometimes we go through life uh, where we're not really feeling a very strong connection with our divine presence of our being, so to speak. And at other times, we are uh, we have a very strong connection, right? So there's a fluctuation. It's a sort of dance uh, of the two fish in the movement of life. Another way we can also understand that duality has a divine nature to it is reflecting on the beauty and harmony of a couple or the sacred couple, right? The couple as the, uh, in our intimate personal lives, but also on a cosmic universal uh, level too, such as the union of the masculine and feminine energies, such as the divine mother and divine father. And so this is all very significant because it's pointing towards the path of awakening as a whole, to see the beauty and the integral patterns of all of life and all of creation, because you simply cannot see the divine beauty in life without seeing how it links all together first, without seeing or finding the unity within the duality. So this is relevant to Pisces because in the order of the zodiac, 
Pisces is the last one. It is the 12th house of the zodiac, ruled by the feet. And in the next episode, we'll see how Aries is the first sign of the zodiac, which represents individuality, which is ruled by the head. So you might be thinking, oh, but you said that Pisces is related with uh, clairvoyance. So isn't that to do with the head? Why is it to do with the feet? Well, again, this is how the beginning of the zodiac, Aries, links to the end of the zodiac, which is Pisces. So this is how the beginning and the end, birth and death, top and bottom, complement each other, right? Duality. And we'll see in the practice for Pisces how uh, more intimately the this uh, connection between the, the top and the bottom relates uh, in the human body as a whole. Uh, but to expand on it a little bit, if the fire of Aries uses its clairvoyance without the illumination of the deep water of Pisces, then its vision, its fire, has no depth. And the same for Pisces as well. If it is just stuck in its emotional subconscious waters of the ego, there's just darkness. There's no illumination which is guided by our individual being, right? So this is how you can understand in the chakra series on this channel, we learn the practice of reciting mantras of the chakras in the direction of starting from the head and going down the body and we repeat, right? So we'll look at this towards the end of this video. So this is what the universal spirituality of Pisces really is all about and what it is meant to be. This unity of the beginning and the end. Pisces and Aries, winter and spring, death and birth. This is something to reflect on, that Aries is the beginning of our self-discovery and Pisces symbolizes the last part, which in its superior level represents transcendence, spiritual enlightenment, liberation of the consciousness, rising above the plane of physical dualistic perspectives and into elevated spiritual consciousness. The age of Pisces, those many hundreds of years before the 60s, should not have been a failure. If we were a conscious humanity, it would not have been the way it was as it really was, right? Some people talk about uh, Pisces and the age of Pisces quite negatively because of this, but it's not representative of the divine universal truth of Pisces. Humanity is simply what made the age of Pisces a complete failure. Pisces was meant to be an age of Gnosticism, really, Gnosis, an age of uh, self-discovery. But since humanity has so much ego, there was a battle in the internal world, as there always is. And instead, during that period, an, an, the antithesis of uh, Pisces came, right? Which is agnosticism or anti-gnostic doctrines, which came to rule and condition the mind and consciousness of humanity. The birth of atheistic materialistic science was born, which discarded all religious wisdom in a very uh, ignorant and uh, brutal way, and inevitably sunk humanity into materialism. And the manifested result of that is what we see today in modern society.
So really, Pisces is extremely relevant today, and in a way it is arguably more relevant than Aquarius. Because if we want to integrate Aquarian values, we first have to comprehend the mistakes we made during Pisces. It is the Piscean energy we must work with first. The symbol of the fish is the first aspect of the subconscious abyss where our ego is. But at the same time, that is where the first elements, the first energies of inner initiation can begin. The quote by Joseph Campbell comes to mind. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. We must go internally, face the darkness if we want to liberate the darkness from the light. So, genuine, internal, universal initiation cannot be found in some external temple, in some uh, Masonic lodge, some Gnostic group, uh, some Rosicrucian uh, society, something like that. But it is first only found in the willingness of our heart to descend into our interior subconsciousness, to shine the light of pure awareness into the subconscious dualism of our egoic darkness. As taught on recent videos, in order to ascend, we must first descend. This is what real spirituality is all about. Anyone who tries to ascend without first descending will fail or will just be lost in fantasy. To descend is like the analogy of a catapult. We have to keep pulling back and back and feeling the pressure of our darkness and really face it all. And eventually, one day, when we do reach the great light of consciousness, depending on how much we pulled back, the more we will be catapulted into the light. And that's why we're here today. That's why there is so much darkness in the world today. For us to face and experience all of this through karma, through the uh, lion of the law, which is serving all of this uh, sort of quote-unquote punishment uh, to, in order for us to face all of this directly and comprehend it integrate it, find the wisdom in it all. So the subconsciousness within us is not just subjectivity to be discarded. Just like in the age of Pisces, we just discarded religion because we thought it was made up, that we thought, oh, God is just some imaginative thing, but it is not. Subjectivity and subconsciousness within it lies the secrets of objective esoteric reality and the mysteries of uh, occult magic and just really everything. If you really want to understand it all, all the symbolism is there. And this is why uh, dreams are so symbolic when we really start to penetrate and understand uh, the symbolism of our dreams. Dreams are just... Nobody understands dreams today because they are totally, totally esoteric. Only by becoming an esotericist can you begin to understand your dreams. So this is why the inner journey, the inward journey of awakening is so mystical and magical, really. It's not something the intellectual mind can, you know, teach in a, a modern university today. And so it's such a challenge to translate all of this into a uh, 
logical communication. And so taking this path is really full of internal battles and struggles from our own ego, yes, but it also comes from the conditioning of the world, right? All of this intellectuality and, and dogma and believing in all of it and, and not really understanding it uh, in direct experience. Because, yeah, it's really difficult. We have to face ourselves within in order to liberate the consciousness. It's not something nice and, and happy and always peaceful like a lot of New Age teachings uh, seem to, you know, tell a lot of people or it kind of has that facade of uh, that it's going to be easy and uh, everything's very nice and uh, we're always achieving balance and serenity. It's In reality, it's not like that. If you really want to awaken in a direct way and really want to achieve some of the highest level of mastery, right? We're not talking about just being able to meditate and always feel nice and be nice to other people. In reality, we don't care about the vanities of the spiritual path. We want to achieve real mastery of our consciousness. We want to understand what it is like to actually be a spiritual master, to understand the nature of angels, to understand the cosmic intelligence and why the universe has been created in the way it has and why the structure of our solar system is and all of it, right? This is what we want. If you want real spiritual awakening, to understand the intelligence of uh, the divine creator, so to speak. So yeah, not to just be, you know, sitting all the time with a totally blank mind and thinking that we're, you know, reaching enlightenment. Enlightenment has infinite depths. So this is all intimately tied to comprehending the symbolism of dreams, as we said earlier, in order to gain self-knowledge. And eventually, as you start to decode your dreams, you start to understand them, and you start to uh, integrate all of the different elements of, of the ego and start to uh, really, you know, dissolve all of these egotistical patterns within the psychological world within us, then we can start to have more astral projection experiences. We start to see the divine reality of this objective nature that lies within us. Why shouldn't we have to be able to discover the reality of divinity within us, to experience the truth? Because we are part of everything, as we've been seeing. Pisces Everyone uh, interprets Pisces as duality. It's not pointing towards that in its superior aspect. It's showing us that we are not separate to the greater whole, that we are part of reality. We should never have this sense that we are separate to things, right? And people and the world. So this is why in the previous video on Aquarius, we talked about Pisces in almost a dark way. And that's because Pisces invites us to reflect on duality. The two fish yin and yang, masculine and feminine, spirituality and materialism. There's really no difference between these two things, but because we're so uh, identified with like one side, we just get trapped in seeing duality as something negative when it's not necessarily negative. And of course, within this symbol of this duality, of this number two, humanity became extremely lost identifying with one side of the two, right? And so, although duality, or two, is the greatest source of our suffering, it also has the potential to be the greatest source of our 
enlightenment. And this in its deepest meaning has its foundations in sexual energy if you reflect on the aspects of Adam and Eve, right? Masculine and feminine. Those Adam and Eve, right, not being necessarily people, but two parts of our being who fell into conflict many, many uh, millennia ago. And the practices of transmutation and alchemy on this channel show us what it really means in practice to unify that two into one again. Yes, in our external intimate relationships, but more fundamentally within ourselves as individuals by learning to master our male and female principles of energy within ourselves. So even though Pisces represents the number two in duality, it is actually in its most elevated symbolism, the supreme sign of unity. It's just that when we as unawakened people look at this sign, we identify with one side and we see two fish, when in reality we are meant to see the whole pattern, the unity, and we do this all the time, right? We uh, see others as separate instead of part of ourselves, where we begin to identify with the many different belief systems, believing that uh, other people are wrong, and it's just a mess. <laughs> so two can only exist from unity, because first there is the eternal source, the supreme manifested absolute space, and from that, is born to masculine and feminine, the divine father and the divine mother, and of course also the trinity. When the child is born, or in other words, the birth or the crystallization of the spirit in the material. So when we understand all of this, we begin to realize that the material world is not something dead or non-spiritual, but is completely integral to the wider divine reality. The whole uh, thesis of uh, thinking that the material world is devoid of God, of the spirit, is just absurd when you really start to awaken. So this is how you can understand that when humanity was in the age of Pisces, it essentially just did not succeed because it got so trapped in intellectual skepticism of atheism, of dualism, and only the materialistic side of the apparent war between spirituality and materialism, when really there is no war, there should be no war between those two things. But again, this is how we live from day to day in our individual personal lives, right? We go through life doing things in the external world and then feeling internal conflict. We have this uh, dissonance, this disharmony between our being and our external life. We're always thinking and feeling uh, negative things about the external world, not really just have no, having no uh, illumination or enlightenment about what we're doing in life and what's the purpose of it and uh, why we exist and what we should do, etc. Now, of course, the age of Pisces wasn't all for nothing, uh, we had to go through it. We just had to go through it in a very uh, difficult way. And we just had to learn the hard way, as they say. And now, in the age of Aquarius, we also have to revolutionize ourselves in a very hard way, in a really radical way. That's the only solution, to be honest, because uh, we're in such a radically 
uh, a sleep state that we need to radically awaken our consciousness. And so we have to do all of that by finally comprehending about our mistakes in the age of Pisces, which is to learn, appreciate, and transcend duality, to go beyond it instead of being stuck on one end or being identified with one-sided views and ways of thinking, holding on to useless beliefs or anti-beliefs that keep us conflicted internally, which thereby manifests conflict externally in the form of social wars, political wars, economic wars, wars of every kind, ge geographically, psychologically, uh, psychologically, emotionally, with our friendships, relationships, etc. We are a mess because we're so trapped and lost in duality. So I think you get my point. And you know, I don't think the word duality does this justice. As I said, duality is actually very beautiful when you understand it. So I think separation is a better word, really. When you start to see the two fish as separate things when they're not because that's what the ego is, the feeling or belief of being separate from the whole. And so, with all of this uh, mystery behind duality, it's said in the Gnostic teachings, quite interestingly, that in the life lessons of Piscean people, people who are born under Pisces, undergo many challenges in their life twice before it is learned properly, like having two marriages, two careers, uh, before they find the right career, maybe two failures of some kind before they find success, etc. I don't know if that's true. Uh, maybe if you're a Pisces, let us know in the comments below. Uh, I'd be interested to see yeah, if many of you uh, have that kind of theme going on in your life. Now, as we saw, Pisces is ruled by the very spiritual and mystical planet of Neptune, and you can hopefully see now why Neptune is to do with art and beauty, which, you know, our spiritual emotional waters really enables this. We wouldn't have this sense without that. And this is where our sense of mysticism and divinity comes from when we live without all of this mental dualism mental dualism being our mind's compulsion to battle with the world and uh, intellectual theories saying, you know, yes or no, or you're right and I'm wrong, let's analyze and compare, etc. But, you know, if we put all of that down, we can learn to see with a silent mind, uh, with a pure mind, right, with a pure uh, clairvoyant mind the patterns of duality and learn to comprehend the real reasons behind contradictions and paradoxes and uh, why people argue and why the world is the way it is etc. And so when we begin to really see all of this which happens beyond the intellect uh, life becomes very joyful it becomes a great source of uh, happiness and harmony and so it makes uh, Pisces uh, also to do with with empathy and adaptability and uh, being able to help others in many different types of situations. So this, of course, are also positive traits of Pisceans uh, who are more spiritually developed, those who understand the necessity to drop conflicts with others uh, and then they actually become very empathetic and charitable and uh, good with working with others, especially in forms of uh, music and art and things like that. And now, so combine all of this with the fact that Pisces is a water sign. It is a mutable sign. It is not fixed. And so it makes this sign very 
emotional and to do with the subconsciousness, as we saw. And so in a positive aspect, yes, they can be very empathetic and artistic, but in a negative uh, polarity, in a sort of uncontrolled way, they can easily fall into all of this dualism when they feel really identified or perhaps too adaptable uh, to the many things in life and they can become really identified with their own beliefs and personal views uh, when they really feel emotionally and subconsciously attached to them. So this can make uh, Piscean people uh, born under this sign feel too sensitive or too easily impressed or overstimulated or over-influenced by other people and their surrounding environments easily absorbing negative energies around them. So if you feel uh, you're like this, or for anyone that matter, uh, it is best to learn meditation, find your center, uh, learn prayer, right? And develop a, a sense of stronger individuality so that you aren't easily moved by the many winds of life, so to speak. And this is again how Pisces can learn from Aries. So this is something that Piscean people, but all of us, uh, need to learn about, which is, yes, we should help others and see humanity as unity and uh, understand that, uh, you know, we are in others and others are in us, and we have to be adaptable to any situation in life. It's a great strength. But to also develop ourselves as individuals, because... The characteristic of Pisces is to easily uh, adapt and enjoy being with many different people and situations, kind of like a chameleon, right? It's a water sign. Pour water into any shaped cup and it becomes that shape, right? Pisces are the probably the, the best amongst the signs at adapting to almost anything. But what's the point in going around life being easily identified with uh, different people and situations, especially when we're considering that uh, most of the world today is negative? Uh, what's the point in doing all of that if we do not know the purpose behind why we are doing what we're doing? or if we do not understand who we are and what we're doing in life and the, our real purpose or motives behind it. So Pisces needs to remember the first sign of the zodiac, the first fire of individuality, which is Aries, to remain stable and fixed in their own life's purpose and begin to wisely choose and wisely and consciously choose what they do in life through their own logical choices and discernment and do the will of their own being instead of the will of other people. So this is uh, difficult, of course, since by nature it is not a fixed sign, but uh, practicing it is perhaps uh, one of the best things a Piscean can do. And of course, we all have this energy too, uh, to varying degrees depending on who we are. And so this is good spiritual advice for uh, Pisces because it really is a very deep sign and uh, as suggested it is a sign very connected to its own emotional subconscious depths. And even though they can adapt to different situations very easily, they secretly, usually, they don't you know, deep down, they don't actually like the external world uh, that much. And it can make them a bit um, pessimistic in a way because they naturally have a very strong sense of intuitive imagination that allows them to understand there is far more to life 
than all of this. Far more potentiality to existence and that the world should just not be the way it is today. So perhaps uh, more than any other sign, they can feel this the most in a really intense emotional way. And so without real spirituality, uh, this can make Piscean people feel uh, very hopeless and, and empty if they don't have uh, some kind of guidance and, and understanding of why the world is the way it is. Uh, and so usually uh, Piscean people find their way into spirituality and they usually have a very good uh, predisposition for esoteric studies and being able to understand them intuitively. Now, on the negative side of this though, they can be uh, too idealistic and fantasize a lot uh, because of this very artful, intuitive nature. And they really need to learn to accept life as it is and not get lost in unrealistic dreams or, or else they might gravitate towards escapism, uh, escapist form of uh, spirituality, right? Like being addicted to drugs, perhaps, uh, addictions to TV, video games, etc. But at the same time, they should not also let go of their great and amazing, you know, inspiring imagination and idealistic ways. It just needs to be grounded in a healthy way, uh, in a way that they can enjoy physically, here and now, in the material world, finding inspiration in real things in life, right? In real life, like going out uh, to nature, uh, seeing simple things like that, and enjoying practical spiritual teachings, you know, having healthy friendships, and just doing, you know, generally positive things in life. Now, the opposite sign of Pisces is Virgo, and as we saw in this series, Virgo is very logical, intellectual, full of reason, which is why we saw earlier if Pisces can work on bringing logic and realistic ways of looking at reality uh, to their already very imaginative, uh, sentimental and artful nature, it will help balance and ground them a lot and improve their life in a practical and achievable way. This will help them to become more hands-on uh, and organized instead of too idealistic and full of fantasies submerged in their own subconscious water element that will never realistically uh, materialize in, in their direct reality. So it's like Virgo, the earth element, will help them to have some land to rest on, some earth to uh, ground their feet on, right, and build a foundation. So Pisces is sort of a, is sort of like a, an enchanted fish who lives in the subconscious waters of magical inspiration and intuition and it just needs to learn to come up to the surface more often and see what is actually realistic to materialize onto the land and, yeah, for their actual life and not spend too much time exploring the many depths of the ocean, no matter how uh, cool or amazing uh, it might seem. So it's quite common for Piscean people to get lost for a long time in the merry-go-round of pseudo-spirituality and cool new age concepts. And in the process, they can easily overlook actual practical applied spirituality to awaken their consciousness here and now and because that is what will actually help them as with all of us right and so 
that's something to, you know, probably um, avoid during this time, especially that, uh, be mindful that when we're watching movies, reading fantasy books, or reading really interesting uh, spiritual topics, whether it's from Gnostic teachings or whether it's from um, other kind of teachings, we have to uh, be careful that we're not getting too lost in all of that and to remember our reality, the school of life in our personal life here and now and actually, uh, you know, don't lose ourselves, right? Just keep walking the path in a grounded way. And so talking about the practical part, let's look at the practice for Pisces. And as we saw, Pisces rules the feats. And you may have noticed if you've been following this series, we began in the middle of the body with Leo in the heart. And since then, we have traveled down the physiology of the human body. And so Pisces being the final zodiac, it marks the completion of the integral human being, finishing with the feet. In the next video, we will start back at the top with Aries until we reach the heart again, going down to the heart. And so for the practical part of this sign, many of you already know this practice from the chakra series on this channel. I dedicated like more than eight videos uh, just to teach this uh, chakra uh, mantra practice. It is the practice of the seven mantras, the seven vowels to awaken the seven chakras. But it's a little different here for this uh, Piscean practice. Uh, it has a very nice variation to it. I think anyone who enjoys that practice will definitely enjoy this and you will most definitely uh, feel benefits from it. So if you recall this practice for uh, awakening the chakras with the seven mantras, after relaxing the physical body, uh, doing some pranayama, we begin chanting the mantra E, right? We begin with the crown and go to the root. Once we finish with the root, we go to the crown. Cycling like that. Right? So we begin with the mantra E and focus our awareness on the head for the third eye and crown chakras. And then we chant E on the throat, O at the heart, U at the solar plexus, A at the lungs, M for the uh, sacral chakra, and S for the base of the spine. Now, the difference for this Piscean zodiacal practice is that instead of bringing our awareness uh, to the different chakras individually for each mantra, we instead let the sound of each of these seven vowels be taken from our head to our feet. So again, while saying it, we're saying E, but we don't just stay at the head. We actually let the sound fill our entire body, beginning from the head and finishing at the feet. Like this, if I use my hand as a, a visual aid. E and and I'm I'm using my awareness, uh, filling my awareness, uh, sorry, filling my body with the sound, with the vibration of the sound through the whole body just using my uh, my awareness, scanning the whole body, and repeat this with each mantra, right? E, E, O, okay? U, A, M, S, and continue, okay? 
This is very powerful practice. I hope that makes sense. Uh, and it will help you feel very grounded in the reality of your physical body. And it will help you to begin to sense uh, energies, really. You will become what we are meant to become in the age of Aquarius, an energeticist instead of an intellectualist. Okay, so now it's taught that we should chant these mantras at least one hour daily, but of course we shouldn't force ourselves to practice. We should, uh, you know, something that we should enjoy and something that we should want to do. Uh, otherwise, you know, how will we achieve serenity in meditation, right? Serenity and, and a calm and silent mind is something that we need. And if we force ourselves, we create this conflict, right? This conflict with our subconsciousness. So you can also split this into shorter sessions throughout your day. Perhaps, for example, doing 20 minutes a day three times a day or uh, 30 minutes twice a day. I also have a video with just the vowels, uh, just the vowel sounds, if you want to chant along with some audio. It's taught that one hour of daily uh, vocalization is worth more than reading 20 books on es esotericism, right? Because just learning from uh, other people's ideas is not real knowledge. We need to experience the reality of our own gnosis within the vibration of our inner reality. So remember, Pisces is essentially a conclusion of the 12 zodiacal energies. And similarly, the practical way to integrate the music of the seven chakras into the whole body is to sing all seven mantras in meditation. We are making the energy of all 12 zodiacal energies sparkle in the cosmic intelligence of our physical temple, the human body making the vowels of nature resound like a harp in the energy of our inner body, filling ourselves with divine light. You can really feel it. If you practice this every day, you will start to feel energy you've really never felt before. This is why in this uh, Piscean practice, we take each mantra from our head to our feet, filling our entire body, our being, filling us with divinity. We must never forget that we live in a physical body, in the physical material world, and we can incarnate energies here and now in the material world and not just go around having ideas in our heads. The material world is totally spiritual when we start to live in it spiritually, right? So we should really avoid, uh, opposite to that, we should avoid being so dreamy, lost in illusions and fantasies and... Uh, too many uh, spiritual theories and, and ideas. Now, I'm going to uh, take an extract from one of my videos demonstrating the vowels that should be sung uh, along with some visual aid. Now, remember that you can do this practice also vocally or mentally. It is up to you. If you want to chant along to the full hour audio, there will be a link on the screen. And if you want to review any of the knowledge on the chakras, I will leave the playlist for the chakra series in the description below. And uh, there are also excellent resources in the description of each of those videos in that series as well, just as there is uh, in this series. So again, just to elaborate for anyone because I know someone's going to ask there always is someone who doesn't get it you know put attention to anywhere in your body right if you put it to your finger you can start to feel energy in your finger in the same way when you start to um, 
begin to chant these mantras, you simply place awareness in the head and fill your awareness with your body going down to your feet. Scanning the body with your awareness, with the vibration of the mantras. Okay, so should make sense. Very simple, really. <laughs> okay, thank you and enjoy. E Oh.